What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Along the Keel, a podcast dedicated to the brands that are being built outside. My name is Captain Zach, and in this week's episode, I get to sit down and chat with Dave Sanatora, the founder of Fight Lurco. Dave's love for fishing started from a very young age, but he also found that he had a love for turning and creating lures. From a high school shop class, Dave was hit with the idea, and sometime later, fast forward to 2020, and in the midst of a pandemic, Dave decided to take a crack at his dream and decided to create handmade wooden lures here in West Hampton, New York. Dave is looking to take the fight to the fish, hence the name Fight Lure Co. And this was a great conversation talking about what it feels like to get started, the launch of Fight Lure Co. and much, much more. Of course, we cover topics like fishing and living here in the Northeast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Before I go, make sure to check out alongthekeel.com, sign up for our newsletter, like, share, and subscribe to our social media, always posting stuff on Facebook and Instagram. And you can also check us out on YouTube where most of our shows are being posted there and you can watch this episode go down. Also, be sure to check out Chasing Tides Co. where you can learn all about some incredible people and spotlights that we've worked together on. Uh, Chasing Tides Collective has become a nice little partner of ours and we are excited to see where everything goes with them. They have some great articles. They're funny, interesting, and uh, they do some incredible photography as well. This podcast is also available on waypointtv.com where you can learn all about some other great outdoor TV shows, documentaries, and podcasts. You can download the app for your phone or tablet and stay connected to Waypoint TV and the outdoors 24-7. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this episode of Along the Keel, episode 60, featuring Fight Lurko. How's, uh, how's Long Island this time of year? It's good. It's warming up. Uh, we had, I think it was in the 50s today. It's been, it's been really nice uh, lately. The water's super clear in the bay, mm. and fish are starting to move around. And uh, we're out east, so it's, uh, you know, so everything comes comes up from the west. So it's, uh, right. we're the last ones to get it on the island. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been pretty cool. Like here in Narragansett Bay, I was down by the water today working on some boats, and um, man, the water is so clear this time of year. I wish it would just yeah. stay that way. Yeah, yeah, it's super. It's so nice, and then you, you know, you look at it later in the season. You're like, oh. <laughs> Ugh, gross. Yeah, it's all <laughs> brown and muddy. Yeah, and then you know, occasionally you get those like a good flush if there's like a nice big tide, like after a like a spring or neap tide, you know, and yep, all yep. of a sudden you get this nice clear water. But are you so you guys are already getting stripers now? Uh, some there some people are catching them up west, uh, mm. closer to like much closer to to the city. Um, okay they're you know the hudson the hudson biomass is coming out and and all the right. you know they start moving in and then people on the north shore i believe the fisher there and there's a lot of holdover fish now too more than mm-hmm. we've we've had in the past i think we had there's a couple creeks up in uh peconic bay that have full-size bunker that overwintered um oh. yeah like super weird like they're big fish and uh huh. big bait certainly and then the bass once the bass get up in there it'll be it'll be go time for sure yeah, no kidding. Those bunker, if they're they've been growing all winter, they, they're probably as big as the bass then when they're coming yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. yeah, like the large shad size, you know, like yeah, no kidding. Big boys, it's like a like a mackerel coming at you. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's too. That's too funny. That's awesome. So you know, it's I'm I'm glad to be able to be able to chat with you. You know, we talked a little bit earlier on, and in, in terms yep. of like what you got going on, but. You know, for you to come on and, and be like, you know what, I'm 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 tired of finance, right? Yeah, because yeah. that's that's your background, right? And you you started in yeah. finance, but you had this whole love for the ocean, you know, deep down inside, and now we're now we're chasing that. So, like, what what did what brought us together to talk today? You know, so were you always growing up fishing and surfing and and just being out on the water? Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, I grew up fishing as a kid with my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was a typical like surf fisherman, um, kind of chunk of bunker kind of guy. Um, and I was always <laughs> running around on the, on the backside, on the bay side, uh-huh. uh, stomping around in the marsh and, and just, uh, covering, you know, covering water basically. So we had two mm-hmm. different, very different styles, but kind of made it work. And, uh, and then I started fishing on my own, got a, obviously went through high school, got a car and I came out East, uh, for college. So okay. I've been, but I've kind of been out here all my life, like on the weekends and, and, you know, through, through fishing and then met a bunch of, uh, friends through college and, uh, 
ended up staying out here. And all through that time, I was always around the water. I was surfing and um, bodyboarding, surfing, uh, swimming around, you know, in the, when it was nice out. And uh, yeah, that was basically, that was basically it. I've, I, I spent a Not lot a of time. Not a bad way to grow up. What's that? Not a bad way to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh, we <laughs> lived, we lived much closer to the city and then I kind of moved, we moved a little bit further east for high school and then I moved all the way east for college. So I kind of right. hopscotched my way to <laughs> where I want to be. Um, and, and it's been awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I originally started building, uh, very, very simple surf plugs in high school and wood shop. It was, we were part of a, uh, like a surf fishing club and we would have meetings and, you know, typical, typical kind of stuff. And, and I saw a couple of guys there that had like a little lathe and they were doing their thing in the garage. And I was like, that was pretty cool. And then I had to make a project for wood shop. And I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't really feel like making like a tissue a box. Or, or right. Yeah. Something yeah, like Ugh. So I, I convinced the, the shop, the shop teacher to uh, let me turn plugs on the, uh, on the lathe and uh, spent basically the whole, that whole, amount of time in that class filling a milk crate up with with poppers and then just you know shot them with just uh regular krylon spray paint and ended up selling a few here and there to friends and like just giving them it's like just seeing what what would happen and and you know those are back in the that was back in the mid 90s where bass were kind of getting hard to come by but the bluefish were everywhere and they were huge so um we did pretty well with 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 that back then <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So you're able to not only sell the plugs, make them yourself, but at the same time, go and use them and catch and catch a few fish at, on this, you know, all at once. Not a bad, not a bad shop class. That's a pretty good result, you know, for where most guys are making, you know, a stool or a, a clean, like a Kleenex box, like you said, but you know, I guess it, it's funny cause you know, growing up fishing with, you know, with my dad, right. I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to, you know, it's, and not, and actually I went fishing with my mom quite a bit, you know, and, yeah. you know, growing up, it was always this, it was just a thing you did, you know? And then my, when my uncle would come in from California, we would go fishing with him and everyone had their own styles. Like you said, like mm -hmm. you were more probably run and gun the fast paced yeah. stuff. Cause that's what you want to do when you're younger. I mean, even to this yeah. day, like Albies come in, Oh, running and gunning all day. That's awesome. Right. Oh, I bring yeah. my dad on the boat and he likes it, but like he wants to stay put, you know, he likes yeah. bottom, he likes bottom fishing, throw me a piece of bait, slap that thing on a hook and then just go sit there and see what happens. Right. Yeah. Um, so growing up, like with your dad fishing, I mean, that had to have been a pretty influential, you know, in terms of like, I guess your ocean experience, if you want to, if you want to yeah, absolutely. Like he started me with it, but it was really like my whole family because he was a big, um, he worked for the telephone company his whole life. So he was working a lot, um, but always kind of made time and had the weekends off for the most part. But whenever he was not, you know, whenever he was at work um, and it was either summer vacation or, or whatever, my aunt and uncle would pick me up and drop me off somewhere. My mom would drop me off somewhere. We would, I would go with a bunch of buddies and have one of their parents drop us off and we kind of were all over the place, just getting rides here and there. And then we lived, um, I went to house, high school in a, a town called Wontaw, which is in Nassau County. So it's a little bit closer to the city, but it's still very suburban and uh, it's right by Jones Beach. So we would ride our bikes. We had like the, the milk crate on the back with the rod holders and everything and, and looked like crazy people. And we were, we were basically headed south towards the beach as all the, you know, at the same time as around three o'clock in the morning when all the bars were closing. So it was a real odd mix of people on the, on the road at that time of morning, walking around, uh, going to the train station to go home. But, uh, but we would go down and fish. There were three bridges on the way down to the beach and we would fish the heck out of all those bridges and, and then, you know, get back home at like two o'clock in the afternoon and do it all over again the next day. So it was, it was, it was really cool. And my, Every summer, my grandparents would come up, typical, you know, grandparents live in Florida and come up for the summer. And uh, what they would do is they would go back like a, three weeks to a month before I had to go back to school. I would road trip back down to Florida with them. And then I would just, I had a bike down there and a bunch of rods that I've shipped down over the years. And they were right in like Fort Myers, Sanibel area. And uh, 
I would do the same thing down there. Like they would drop me off or I would go out on, 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 you know, party boats and, uh, or fish, you know, Pine Island sound in the backside of Pine Island. And it was just, that was really cool. Cause you got different species, obviously, and different styles mm-hmm. and different. So that's, that's what kind of brought me into like seeing different styles of fishing and seeing if like, Oh, they, they fish this way down in Florida and this kind of fish is really similar behavior to this kind of fish up North. Like, what if you did that there and kind of like blend in? And that's what I'm trying to do now is like this kind of like bringing something that's not super typical here yet up to like, kind of make everybody aware of it and make it, make it a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so cool that, you know, you're kind of taking all these experiences and, you know, in the back of your head, you were turning, you know, you've been turning lures since you were young, right? Like, like this is, this, this was a thing way back in the day and now it's kind of resurfacing, which, which is really cool. I mean, that's kind of, you know, and it's all been done in your garage right now. Right. So it's kind of that classic, you know, um, startup, right. And it's, it's in your garage. You got got a heater in the corner there I can see. (laughs) And it's like, you know, it's, that's awesome. So you, you eventually you went to, where'd you go to school? I went to Southampton College for college. Okay, and then you, I'm I'm assuming you studied finance because that was then your your yeah. Job. It was like general uh, general business um, general business degree. Yeah, right, right. And then now you know you decided that you were going to go through finance, and you know tell me about that transition there because now you know you, you graduate college, you go into your job, but then you know this whole COVID thing comes right, and now it's like all right, you know you and I spoke earlier, and you know you're doing this full time. Right. And that it's a very interesting time we're living in. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's never, no one has ever experienced it. You know, my parents, your parents, our parents' parents, like everyone's just gotten thrown into this weird thing that we call COVID and the coronavirus. But, you know, I think it's, it's you doing this is really a testament. And it's funny because I've talked to several people that have started businesses in in and amongst this era. Right. And, um, for a lot of people, they're probably, they probably looked at you and said, well, what the hell are you doing? Like, can't you see there's a <laughs> pandemic? Right. But for us, it's like, well, if you look a little bit past that, right. And you kind of peel back the curtain right now, the outdoor industry is exploding, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So it, it's, it's really the best time to start what you're starting. So yeah. like walk us through, like, how did you, what, what brought you to saying, you know what, I'm going to start a lure company. Well, I guess like you mentioned college and, and what, I, what, I, what I graduated with. And I originally went there for marine biology. So I was in the marine biology and oceanography program, which was huge in that school. And uh, started going through, through the steps for that program. And then super into it. I was, I was literally, I grew up reading uh, the encyclopedia of, of fish like at night, like just like that was my thing. Like I made topographic maps for school projects and cut out cardboard and made all the reliefs and everything. And, uh, so that's what I wanted to do. And I went there and I, I was very into the program and, and I was about a year in and I transferred in, I went to a different school, uh, closer to my house and then transferred in. So I was already two years along and then saw some of my friends graduate and they were, they loved their degree. They loved what they did, but they were going to volunteer at the aquarium the local aquarium and then working like an office job or waiting tables in the summer because it's a resort community or you know that kind of stuff and I was like oh geez like that's that's a hard go man like I I would love to do that but that's is that really what you want to do long term like maybe I could I could still always volunteer at the aquarium but also transition to something else and, and make a little bit better of a living and and but still have, and that would give me the ability to, to do that stuff as well. Um, so I kind of made the decision to switch my major into, into a general business uh, with a, with a concentra- concentration in entrepreneurship. So it was, it's kind of ironic now, but uh, mm-hmm. since this is what I'm doing, but I, so then right out of college, I, I worked for um, a local bank and then a, a, a few different local businesses where I was basically, um, you know, I started just paying the bills and, and doing those kind of positions and then worked my way all the way up to like a controller position, like a financial. So it wasn't typical, like fine, like finance ish stuff, like you, like the typical financial, financial management, but it was more business management and, and 
just making sure that those businesses were on track to to make money and survive and and do all that stuff and and uh just prior to covid i switched uh positions to a smaller company that uh it was a little bit more of a a risk i guess because it was a smaller company and that company was you know doing doing okay through covid but they made the decision like look it's it's a hard go right now like it's not it's not a fun time for anybody. And I was basically the last guy in. So I was the first guy out kind of situation. Um, and, and I've talked to a ton of people that that's happened to, like, like you said, and, and it's, uh, and my wife was like, look, why don't, like, you've been talking about this thing for the last eight years, you know, like, and, and I have been, I've kind of been whittling away or drawing things out or in the back of my head, always saying, like, I've, I had this spreadsheet going, on a, on a thumb drive that I would pull out every once in a while and run the, cause I did cost accounting too. So it was like, all right, what could I make these for? Like how much time do I think I would have? How many would I have to make for a year to make this a thing? Because that's, I think that's what, what happens to a lot of lure builders and they're super talented people. And then they get it, they get into it for all the right reasons, but then they're like, holy hell, like I'm working a full-time job and I have to make how many of these things to make it really worth it? Like, and and worth it is kind of a it's a personal thing. What's worth it is like, you know, yeah, exactly worth it, you know, like and to me it's not obviously this is what I do now, so it's gotta work. Like I have to make a living. But like we said on the phone, like it it's I'm not this isn't a business that it's not like I'm selling t shirts online where you can scale it and just, you know, every dollar you put on a social media, it's two dollars back and it's a formula and it's that. Like this is a hand-built thing and it'll always be a hand-built thing. Like I've, I've, been, I've made some small little investments in like a better saw and a better this and a quicker this, but um, it still comes down to hand-built. And I think that's awesome is that that's like, that's a major barrier to entry for a big company coming in and just wiping all the small guys out. And I think that's right. really cool is that there's such a, and there is such a market for them. And if they're well-made and there's, the story's right and they're being done for the right reason. And like, I think every person that's ever thrown a, a fishing lure out there, they've had it come back like without doing anything. Like you have to impart all the action you have to do. So that's why this took so long for me is that I want to be able to have something that's really good, but absolutely bomb proof for the most part. And it's like dummy proof basically like that's what charter captains refer to like they just want a lure that you can throw out there and somebody can reel straight back and it'll do its thing that's why metal lip danny plugs are so popular and and things like that and they're awesome but there are so many people that um do those really really well that i didn't i that's not a game i wanted to get into because there are all really talented builders out there and, and you know, you can you can pull up on Instagram and just look at a few accounts, and you're like, oh yeah, these guys know it. They're it's a classic style, um, and like we've talked about, like what we're doing, it's it's just a little bit, it's a little different. Yeah, well, I love how you kind of, I mean, this was eight years in the making, right? Even longer than that because yeah, it really yeah. started, you know, when you were in high school. So yeah, but you took the time to really want to do it right. You know, it wasn't just you know, I'm going to throw this thing together and I, you know, I, I got to make this work. It's like, no, I want to do this right. And you're, you know, watching you go about it and in hearing our conversation, you know, from the previous time and, and now talking to you now, you know, it, that really rings true. It's like, you got to be genuine. You got to be authentic. It's like, yeah. as if, if it's like, if you weren't a fisherman, if you didn't grow up fishing, but then you wanted to start a lure company, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I've always, I've always thought to myself, like, you know, I don't know if I want to be a captain my entire life, but I got to have something to do with the water, right? I got to do mm -hmm. something. Otherwise, this whole podcast is a big sham. You know, it's funny, <laughs> like someone the other day was like, you know, I, I, I my, my hand was covered in bottom paint because I had a, a nice little oops at the boatyard the other day. Bottom and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But he's like, what, what, what's on your hand? I go, it's all bottom paint. I was painting. I was working on some boats today. He goes, oh, so like you're actually a captain. And I go. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. This like, you think I do this full time? Like, <laughs> and I kind of laughed. I was like, man, I hope that I hope people understand. Like, I'm actually like full time working as a boat captain, you know, and like that's my yeah. job. Um, 
but you know, to the same, to the same, you know, adages like you, it's like, you know, you love fishing, right? This is, this is something that, and it goes far beyond the actual catching of the fish, right? We all know that. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. just really an efficient, like, Oh yeah, this is like what I like doing. It's like, no, it's the process of, of going the night before and getting bait and and figuring it out, like what the tide's going to do, the current. But at the same time, you know, I think what's cool about lures is that there's this whole like collectors type mentality with them. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's almost like, Oh, you have this artist, you know, cause that's what they kind of are yeah. is like art. They're artists at, at some degree. Um, but like you, people can name them out. Like I'm sure you just mentioned some guy that makes lures and you know, it, it's kind of like collecting art, you know? And I know that when I was on the big Island of Hawaii, um, you know, the captain bill, he's laying out all his lures like on, mm-hmm. on the, on the, um, on the seat. Right. And, or the fighting chair, I should say. And, uh, he's like, show me, he's like picking it up and he's like, you know, he's an older guy. So he's like kind of shaking it at me like this lure. <laughs> I caught my thousand pound Kona grander on this and like telling me the story about that moment encapsulated into this lure, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden a couple of guys walk by and every person that walks by, they're like picking out a lure. They're like, Oh, that's a so-and-so, you know, setup you got there. And he's like, well, I got two more at home and I can't even fish this one because I don't want to, I don't want to lose it. Right. So, yeah. you know, I, it's kind of cool how lures, they, they have that, they have that allurement, no pun intended to like, <laughs> to this collector type mentality, like there's a history with every single one of them, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and I know that, you know, from just listening to you, like you, you get that. And and that's kind of cool when you're going in, but not you're, you're, you can appreciate what you're doing from all levels. Uh, what do you think that's kind of important in what you're doing? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's, it's a handmade thing and each one is a little different, but they're all built to do the same thing. Um, so you have to come up with all these processes to kind of keep them as uniform as you can with something that you're hand sanding, you know, so you have a ton of templates and you have all this stuff. And when you start looking, like you mentioned two really important things, like there is that collector side of things and th- things that aren't um, mass marketed, you know, the supplies low, like there are some, some brands, like if you look at like the big stick bait, saltwater stick bait brands um a lot of them come out of like japan and there are a couple guys here in the states that started making them here because they couldn't get the japanese ones and if you try to get them there's this brand called carpenter and and they're known around the world like they're known to the guys in australia that are big on it but they're 300 bucks at each and you go through like i've researched a lot of these smaller builders and there's just something about like a, a person that's it doesn't like I'm into anything as long as the person's passionate about it and they're, and they have like this, they, they want to be the best at it. I could watch somebody make a pair of boots or, or a watch or, and be super pumped on it. Even if I'm not a watch guy or a boot guy, it, it's, it's the process and, and the, I've always been a process driven person and it's, it's, it's just a cool thing that, and also that kind of, like I, not to get, I'm not like a soapbox guy, so I'm not going to do that whole deal, but they're made out of, go ahead, go on your soapbox. <laughs> well, I think like it's, it's a personal decision, right? Like I, when I started designing these things and I was, I was carving them out of wood. And then I, I think there's even still a photo up on my Instagram about, uh, with a couple silicone molds. And I was, I was starting to make molds and make the wiring harnesses to start making them out of resin like so many other people do. Because if you think about it, that's the, not easy. I don't want to say easy because it's not. Um, that's the most repeatable. It's it's more, it's e- more easily repeatable. Is that, that's a thing you could say. But you think about it, you carve the master, then you pour a mold and you can, that's the same. It's the same every time you pour it out of the mold. You pour the resin in, it hardens, you pull it out. And then you go through the whole finishing process. So, but when you build them out of wood, you're going through that design, almost like design process every time. And, and if you drill a hole too far to the left, or if the hook hanger is too far to the right, or it, you, it's firewood, you know, like it's not, I'm not going to put that out there. Just burn it. We don't need it anymore. Yeah. 
<laughs> just take it outside and bonfire it. And, uh, and, you know, through this whole process, like I have this, I, I put this here for this purpose, like this whole box of just different bodies that I tried and different, different designs and different angles. And I sanded this one a little too much. I didn't like that. Okay. This is, this is the one I'm going to go with, you know? And, and, uh, like I said, I started making molds and I was like, ah, oh, man, I just, my friends were asking me like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing out there in the garage? Like you have a mask on, you're, you're pouring things. Like we don't, we don't get it. And I was like, well, and every time I told the story, they're like, oh, that's cool. They're made out of, like, you're making them out of wood. Cause they saw the wood carving. And I was like, no, it's, and I just, I hated telling that story, man. Like it, it wasn't a story. It's, and Again, that's me personally. I'm not talking about like, I don't want to get in like an uh, internet. I don't need the internet to like, you know, be experts about it. But like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I like the feel of what I think. I personally think it, it, it fishes a little better. Um, and it's just, I couldn't tell that story. I just didn't like, like the whole plastic story, especially with what's going on in the oceans and and islands of garbage and plastic that never go away. And, you know, you are going to break these things off. Like they are going to get broken off. Um, and I just, I didn't want to, I, I personally didn't want to put that out there. That's, that's how I'll put it. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I get that. You know, it's like, there's something to be said about the, the have making something completely from hand in its own element, you know, and, you know, wood, is something that's been well shit it's a building material that's been used forever right one yep. of the first building materials ever so it's like there's something special about that and you know same 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 to you like not knocking plastic or epoxy or whatever you want to yeah. say like you know obviously there's a pitfalls of yeah it definitely goes into the ocean and could create for some you know pollution problems but um you know i personally i use you know epoxy uh, the epoxy um epoxy jigs from yep. uh from hoagie those are kind of like my favorite ones right Absolutely, now and, yeah um you know it's it, it's it's all a personal preference but i think what you're doing is you know you're really not only crafting a story which like you said is mm -hmm. super super important i think that's much easily more easily done in something that's handmade handcrafted right because you're putting your time, your sweat, and your, I'm sure some blood into every single, every <laughs> single, you know, lure. And it's, yep. uh, it's just cool to see. So, you know, what kind of, what does your process look like? You know, like, cause from my perspective, you know, I'm actually funny enough, I'm having a conversation tomorrow night with Ralph Crafty of Crafty One Customs. And he's a, he's a pretty well-known rod builder here in Rhode Island. Oh, and cool. he, he had to kind of walk me through like, how the hell do you make a rod? Right. Like I have yeah. no idea, you know? And so to the same extent, like how do you make a lure? I, I am so in the dark on this, you know, other than the fact of just our brief conversations, but you know, you start with a piece of wood and then all of a sudden you can tie it to a line and throw it at a fish. Right. So mm -hmm. what does that process look like? Yeah. I mean, once you have, once you have your body designed and you have the like I was just, I spent the last few weeks messing around with different placement of different weights. So it gives different center of gravity. So it either is going to, like, I want that thing to you be able to cast it out. It's going to float. You're going to reel it. It's going to sink and do its thing and swim. And then you stop and it pops back up. So it's a lot of trial and error on the design side, but process wise, I just, again, cause I'm a process guy. I, I listed it out and I think it was 33 steps or th it was a lot of steps. Like, <laughs> and, and, uh, it's a lot of steps and you basically, you start with the blank, you cut the blank out on a bandsaw or however you, you cut it out. And I mean, there are guys making, making plugs with a handsaw, you know, it's just a jigsaw or whatever, but the most efficient way is like bandsaw it out. And then you start with, um, you have to drill, you have to through drill it. So you drill all the way through. So you start from either end and then connect the two. You have to drill for the, for the swivel, for the hook hanger. You have to drill for any weight you have. And then it's kind of, then that part's over. Then I final, I final shape it. So I do the sanding because kind of, I want to have, if I'm the easiest thing to mess up is the drilling because they're not going to line up. Like I said before, if you have that one hole over a little too far, so you have to build jigs to standardize your process if you're not making a one-off thing. And then, and then you sand it. So if I, if I blow something and, and 
it doesn't it doesn't line up or anything. I just toss it like we said before. So I don't have a lot of time into it. So um, so then it's basically after you sand it and you it looks you know it looks like it looks like that. Like it looks just like a like a bait that doesn't have anything. It just has a bunch of holes in it. And uh, and then you dip it in whatever sealer because you know you through drilled it. So you want it to be you're gonna epoxy the outside, but you want the inside to be armor proof too. So it's spar urethane, like a lot of surf plug builders use. Um, and then that has, that dries overnight. And then um, and then you start your your wiring process, and everything influences it. Like the the way I have the weight centered, it's involved with the wire, and the the wire. It, it has to all go together before you epoxy it. Like there are some guys that have yeah. baits and like, I just don't have enough room. If there's not enough room here in the bait, like there in the bait to tuck a weight up and not have it touch other things. And you know, they're, it's only five and a half inches long. So it's on the smaller side. There's not too much meat there. Um, so then, you know, you put your grommets in, you put your through wire in, swivels in, you tail wrap it. So you have the nice loop on the, you have a nice loop on the tail here. And so this is the, this is the one I was just testing. And this is the final product here. And then it's ready for, um, this isn't finished, but uh, then it's ready the look for, of it, though. for, yeah, it's, it, it's like, this is basically the same, the same body as this guy. This is just epoxy finished just to get that process down. And then this one is the good one with the weight in the right place and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I love the look. It's like, it's, I, so my, my family has this beach house in Matunic in Matunic, mm -hmm. Rhode Island. And it's, there's a shed in the back, right? We call it like the barn and it's, it's nowhere near a barn, but on the side of it, like, this is how old this is, right? There is a, there's a separate little, it looks like an outhouse because mm -hmm. Back in the twenties, that's exactly what it was. So okay. my great my when my grand when he, my grandfather my great grandfather bought it, like he did some additions to it and he built the outhouse, and now it's an outdoor shower. So like every time we go take a shower, it's in the old outhouse. But like that's how old this place is, and you know the stuff on the mantle hasn't left in probably seventy years, right? Wow. So like the same that's stuff awesome. my grand my grandfather my great grandfather put there is like still there, right? My grandmother refuses to remove anything, you know? Um, but my point is like, we go into the barn and you look in the rafters and there's like lures stuck, you know, in the wood, like hanging down. There's like old rods shoved up there. And I'm sure, you know, if you take a, if you take a peek up in the attic, like you're just going to find so much random shit that like, yeah. you, you know, it put it in a museum. Right. Um, but when you just showed me that lure, like, that's exactly where my mind went. You know, mm -hmm. it's like that old school, that classic look that just like that fat body that tapers down and has yep. that one single hook and then the treble hook on the front. Like mm -hmm. that's such a classic look. And I think pays so much attention to kind of looking back in the past, you know, and, yep. and encapsulating the, the, the look of your, of look of your brand, but just more so like that old school grit of you know going to the shore yeah. throwing the lure out like you know maybe it's not a whole day of fishing maybe you're planning before work or you know you're you get done with work and you go right to the beach and use some shore mm -hmm. you know shore fishing or you hop in your boat and you go catch albies or a striper like it i think it really kind of has that old school vibe and and tell me if i'm wrong because i think yeah, um yeah. you know that's that's the vibe that i'm getting and even fight lure co like your logo behind you yeah i don't that looked like a mean, that's a mean looking decal on the back of a truck right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, yeah. uh, but it's, it's Thank totally, you. it's like this old school look, you know, and, you know, talking with you before that's kind of what you were going for, but why do you think, like, why were you so destined to do that rather than kind of continue on with the trends of, you know, flashy, bright colors, really, really like fine tuned painting. Like, you know what I mean by that? Like, it's not yeah, yeah. this it's not like just a simple, sim like the simplicity in the lure, I think is what makes it so beautiful, you know? Yeah. And I think, thank you. I think that like, you want to make things like simple, like elegant is simple, right? Like, like you, the like you hear computer coders talk, talk about it like that. And I used to do the same thing with like writing. This is like super like 
whatever, but like, like writing like Excel formulas. Like I wanted I to do this. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> like you're one of those guys that loves Excel, huh? Like, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, <laughs> I, when I figure something out in Excel, I'm like, man, that's so cool. I have no idea how I did that. You know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't do it again. Like, <laughs> couldn't do it again. But yeah, no, go on. I, I just, it's funny you said that because I had a feeling you're going to go with the Excel. But yeah, yeah, keep going. Keep going. Because you could do something that's, you could do write a formula that's this long or that long and it does the same thing. And it's like, well, you want to get it, get it there, you know? And also like, I, like, again, with my background, like, my background in fishing and my background in business, like I grew up fishing Gibbs poppers and and the old school, you know, little necks. And I have super, I, like you said, like memories, like I pulled a, a lure out the other day. That was a, it was a one and a three quarter ounce or one and a half ounce Gibbs popper. That's all chewed up and it has hook rash all over the bottom. And I fished the hell out of that thing. And I remember being on the backside of breezy point in Rockaway waist deep in water and a 30, like 30 something inch bass just cruising after that thing. And it's so like embedded in my mind, the swirl behind the plug and like, and if, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a simple plug. Like it's a simple lure, right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's bigger than the sum of its parts. It's not a block of wood and a wire anymore. It's, it's something that, that a fish thinks is alive and you're imparting the action in it, or it has the action inherent in it, which is, which is even better in my mind. And I just think like the simpler, the better, and the more direct connection with the fish, like through wired, you know, it's fully through wired with heavy wire. Like I, I want these things to be, um, to, I want to be able to, you know, the guy to take them and throw them at a, at a bass and then go offshore and throw them at a tuna. Like, it, like there's no, like, you know, maybe change the hooks out cause you need a stronger hook, but, um, the, 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 they're built for that. Like, and I think that that lends it, you know, and, and also something that you're not going to be afraid of just destroying. Like, right. Like I want people to use these. Like, I, they're not going to be a hundred dollars a piece that I want people to use them. And I just think, and also like from my other side of my background for the business side, like how could, how can I make these predictably good and replicatable to, to where every single one, while it has that hand-built feeling, every single person is still going to get something that's super quality. Like it's, if I wouldn't do it, like I'll stop doing it if I can't do that. Like if I can't, if I'm not, that's why it's taken me so long to actually do this because I wanted everything to be right. Like I, I wouldn't want anyone to, I wouldn't even want to give them away if they weren't right. Forget about get, you know, charge something for them. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I think that's super, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way, right? It's like, you know, yeah. if, if you're not doing something to the best of your ability, then why put it, why even put it out there, you know? And not to say that it has to be perfect. Cause I think that's, I think that's you what happens when that. people, the people get trapped in, you know, analysis yeah. paralysis and it's like, has yeah. to be perfect, has to be perfect. Well, it's like, no, it, it has to evolve. Right. And mm -hmm. through its evolution, you will then find your version or your, your perspective on perfection. Right. But what I love about your lures is that, yes, like you want them to be repl replicable, right? Like you want to have that same vibe. Like you want to be able to catch a fish on your lure, right? Mm -hmm. That's the end goal. Right. Yeah. So, but what it's, what's really cool is that handmade element really provides a lot of character to not yeah. only the brand, but the actual experience of what you're doing, you know? And yeah. I feel as though uh, in a world where everything is so disposable, you know, and yeah. so, um, just, everything's machine made and, and not as not things don't have as much character as they used to. It seems like, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, I think a lot of the brands that I've spoken with, they, they understand that, right. Like, and, and they're doing something similar to you, like Jetty, right. They're not just yep. an apparel brand. Like they're really, they have a lot of character into what they're doing. Absolutely, um, yeah. so I love when you mentioned like the simplicity in the lure, because I think what that, that warrants is it allows, the user to kind of create their own experience with said lure, right? Because mm -hmm. it is so in its simplicity, you don't want to, it's not just something that's like, Oh shit, I lost a lure. Okay. You know, although yeah. like that's part of the game, right? Yeah. But 
with that lure that you picked up, you know, and you kind of looked at, like there were memories made on that, you know, mm-hmm. and you can see the, you know, what'd you call it? Hook rash. Yep. Yeah. 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 On you can belly, see, yeah. you can see the hook rash, right? You're not going to get that on a machine epoxy, right? You know, epoxy based yeah. lure. Right. So I think that's kind of cool. It's, you know, it's this, although it's simple, it warrants so much more, you know, and, and, you know, like you said, it's like the Excel sheet. You want it to be as easy to understand and still get the job done. And that's exactly what you're doing. So how much of it is, you know, through this process, kind of figuring out, developing the character of not only the lure, but it's kind of this reincarnation of, of you, you know, and like what this whole process is kind of meant to you personally, because I don't know about, I mean, that's, it seems like there's, there's a big connection there between the reasons behind why you got into it and then the actual lure themselves. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's funny. Like I've, you know, you mentioned analysis, uh, paralysis and, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist and that's, you, you kind of get trapped in that a lot. And through this whole process, like even years ago, like when I was trying to figure out like, should I even do this? Like, I don't know, like, wh- what is it going to be? Like you start to, you find all the reasons why you can't do something. And, and it's funny, like I never did that in at any other point. Like my wife knows me as a very driven person. Like I, I've never, I was a, I, like, we've talked about weightlifting. Like I was, I was a CrossFitter, a weightlifter for a long time. And I took some time off and I was never a runner. I hated running. And I was like, I want to do this ultra marathon. And there was a 70 K here. That was a local race. And I found a coach, I trained for it and we did it. And you know, like I never, I never came up with all the reasons why I shouldn't do something like that, but I did for this. And it was such a odd thing, you know? And when, um, when I, when I recently had the time to, to finally do it, it was the first thing that popped into my head immediately. I was like, and my wife was like, you need to do this. Like that, like that you have, and she's, I'm, I'm more of like the things happen and, and, you know, things happen. And, and she's more of the type of person that's like, things happen for a reason. And I'm kind of in between, I'm not one or the other, but, uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I think I need to do this. Like I, like it's part, it's been part of me for so long that I've never like addressed. Like I've never, I've never given it enough energy to actually become like alive. Like, and I think it's, I think it's a living thing now. And it's, it's, it's something that I'm driven to do. And, and I don't know. I think I just, I just think it's cool. Like, I like it's not for anything. Like, I think it's just a cool thing to do. And I, I think, you know, there's a lot of, um, I have a ton of respect for, for hand built things and, and the process that people go through and, and, and it does change you. Like it's, it's, you're designing something and all those, you start smashing through walls of like, Oh man, like why, why isn't this thing swimming? Like I, it should be swimming all everything about it says it looks like a fish. It should be. And, but you know, the weight's in the wrong place or, you know, switch, use a try to use a treble cause it'll hold the water better. And you, you start to do all these little things that, you know, you, I just had it recently, like a couple of weeks ago where I had to fully change everything because it just wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. And, and it, it would kind of do it sometimes, but I couldn't put that out. And, and so it's, it's that not giving up and pushing through barriers. And I like to, everybody wants to be comfortable, right? Like your, your body wants to be comfortable. You want to be comfortable. Like your brain wants you to be comfortable and preserve yourself. So it tricks you into all these things. And, and I kind of always want to see, like, I'm comfortable when I see the end of like, and these are the steps I need to get there. That's when I'll start. And that's awful. Cause like, you shouldn't do that. You just have to start, like, just do it and you'll figure it out. And I would do that for a lot of instances, but just not for this company and not for these, these lures. And, and through the last, you know, six months, of really, really working on it hard. Like it's, it has changed a lot. And, um, if I dig to the bottom of that box, they're totally different. And I think kind of like what you said, like I kind of, I'm a big mindset person, but like my, my actions are following my mindset now. Like they, 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 it's a funny thing. Like I was always like very driven and very like, but I was always very calculated in those, in those decisions and in yeah. plan. Yeah. And, and like, you see that all the time, like, and, you just need to start, I think. 
Yeah, I I, I could not agree more. You know, it's <laughs> it's like starting anything is tough, mm-hmm. right? It, and yeah. but I think that's kind of the beauty of it. It's like it makes you a tougher individual by just going out and doing something and trying it, you know, and DM DMing someone on Instagram and seeing if they want to be on your podcast when you have <laughs> no episodes and no business doing a podcast, right? Like and yeah. and and to the same extent, like I think what's interesting and I, I don't know, maybe you feel the same way as to the reason why it took you so long, because this podcast but before, like not a lot of people know this but I was in a hotel room at my friend's wedding recording my voice on garage band on my computer and uh, being like, Nope, not going to happen. This sounds uh, stupid. <laughs> I hate the sound of my own voice. Like this is dumb. <laughs> no one's going to want to listen. Like all the reasons why I shouldn't do it. Right. And then all of a sudden, like a year and a half later, when I felt as though maybe I had maybe something more to say, probably not, mm-hmm. but maybe a little bit more to speak to, or at least think so. Um, you know, I decided to do it, you know, and it was just like that weird feeling of, oh shit, is someone like this? Like, are they, or will someone listen? Maybe friends and family. Okay. And then all of a sudden other people start and you're like, huh, that's kind of cool. Right. And to the same extent of you, like a business is such a representation of yourself, but it goes way deeper than just what's on the surface. Right. So I think, you know, when you're, when you, when you made the analogy of like your marathon, um, those are as much as it is something hard to do. And like, same thing with me, like a weightlifting competition, it's hard to do, but there's calculated steps. Like there's a plan to this, yep. you know, whereas what you're doing, there is no plan, no right? Plan. <laughs> there is no plan with this. The, the, along the, there is no plan, right? As, as, as much as we think there is a plan, really there's just guidelines and we kind of have to, I think maneuver our way through it, you know, yeah, keep, yeah. keep it between the buoys as Jimmy Buffett would say. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, do you, do you think it was, you know, this just a lot of hard work or was it the right time, the right place, like in the right moment that really brought you to start what it is today? Because it's been a, it's been a, it's, it's been a process that goes back to high school for you. Yeah. I, I think it's both. I think it's, it's a lot of hard work and persistence and, and kind of, and then also like the, almost like the frustration, I guess, of like you backburnering something for so long and then being like, what am I doing? I just need to do this or not. Like it's, it's like one of those, one of those instances where it's like if you're waiting for the, you know, it's the old like kind of like mindset analogy stuff of like it, it's never going to be the perfect time to start. You just need to start. Like it's, it's you got to take the first step, and then those things keep moving. Um, so yeah, it's just it, it's it's almost like I said, like getting frustrated with yourself with like why are you either you you need to do this to get it and it works and it's great and it's awesome and and you did it or like it's a win win or you do it. You do it to the best of your ability. You're proud of your efforts. Um, it's like weightlifting, you know, like y- you, yeah, you could have done things differently, but that's not how it went. But that was the best you could bring on that day. And it didn't work out. That's awesome too, because now you, you, you learned, you know, your limit or, you know, what you need to work on or, or you say, you know what, I'm good. That was where I wanted to get to next. Like, I'm going to go on to the next thing. Like whatever is right for you is right. But I think it's just it came to a point where it's, and it's like, I need to do this and I need to do it for myself. And if it works, it's going to be great. Like I said, and if it, if it doesn't work, it's, it's, it's on me. Like it's something I chose or I did, or I, you know, it's, 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 it's in your control basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the analogy that you use there with, you know, weightlifting. Cause I think it's, you know, you having been a weightlifter in the past and doing CrossFit yeah. and it, it's such a perfect like there's so many parallels for, for just putting yourself out there. Right. And all of a sudden oh, yeah. you got all these cameras on you. Right. And there's like people literally, literally judging you, like not yep. just, you know, in the grand scheme of it, but like, you know, it, it's one of those things. like, do you got what it takes today? You know, yeah. cause that's, that's cool that you did it in the gym. That's nice, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. You know, you got to do it on the platform. You got to do it in the platform. Right. And there's this, there's this, um, speech that I always listen to. It's called, um, 
The Man in the Arena by Theodore Roosevelt. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah. that before. I've, I've heard pieces of it, I think. You've heard pieces of it? Yeah. Unbelievable. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it talks about just this, right? Like that, that back burner mentality of, you know, if, if you want to try something, you got to step into the arena, you know, mm-hmm. like you gotta, you gotta pony up, you gotta put up or shut up because it's yeah. never going to happen if you don't, you know, and you'll never find out if, if you don't. Right. And mm-hmm. I think what's so cool about that quote and what, you know, this idea of like you pulling that to the front burner and really trying it in a time where shit, you got all the opportunity in the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I kind of, it was very similar for me. It's like, all right, I moved back from Hawaii. I currently don't have a job. Um, why wouldn't I go full bore on this? You know, like, mm-hmm. what do I got to lose? Right. Yep. And, you know, in that quote, they talk about like the people that aren't in the arena, right? It's, I don't care about your opinion because you're not in the arena. Yeah, you're not, you know, you're not in it. Yeah. You're not in it. Like whatever you're, whatever, whatever you're doing, you know, it could be making, you know, lures. It could be building a huck bucket. It could be doing whatever your craft is. As long as you have a craft, I consider you a part of the arena, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think, and I think everyone can agree with that. Like as long as you're yeah. doing something. Um, but it's, it's when you're judging it, when the critics are outside and they're, they have no skin in the game. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what you have to say. Cause it doesn't matter, you know? And, yeah. and I yeah, think yeah. that's like, I think that's the big fear that people have is like stepping into the arena is the hardest part, but it's the evolution of being in it, you know, and, and really getting to the point where it's, you know, you look at your, your bucket of lures that if you dig to the bottom, like you said, there's probably some really crappy ones in there that you'd never want to show anyone, but you're going to keep them for yourself just because it's like, that's the moment of like, wow, this is where it started. And like, mm-hmm. this is how it's going. It's like that Instagram thing that's going around right now. You know, I don't know if you've seen that. Like, this is how it started. This is where it's going. It's like a before oh, yeah, and after yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the pointing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, with that, right? Like, you know, I think is this great throwback, you know, to an, an earlier, simple, simpler time. But as much as your brand is kind of that, that throwback, that, that, that paying homage to, you know, how fishing has kind of evolved. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you see this going for the future? I think like my plan is just to make it a, to make it a thing and to, to just be able to do this and people and get these in people's hands and really show them what, like what they're about. And, and like my, my view for this has never been like if I wanted to create a brand and they're out there where they're cult, very culty lure brands and they start to and this is it actually kind of bummed me out because like there were there were brands that I follow for a long time and I was like these are the guys I need to emulate like they're doing really well I really really respect what they do like they are full on artists like take nothing away from them but when I dug deeper and and I did a lot of digging you find out that like they used to produce now a factory produces them for them, which is great because they couldn't possibly produce them all on their own and they're scaling and scaling and scaling along. And now they're just getting bodies that they paint. They're still artists. Like they're still doing it. But I was like, Oh, I thought they did the whole thing. Like this kind of like took it, took a little bit of it away from me, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's kind of like why, like through that process, I learned like, I learned what was important to me. And I, and that's why I named it what I named the companies because it's like, like you said, like fighting for the old tradition, but also fighting for what I think it should be, what I think the future should be. And like, I have no, no want or desire to ever like build the company up and sell it. It's not that kind of proposition. It's, it's like, if I, if I, one day, if I couldn't produce possibly enough, I would get more hands. Like I would, you know, you, you, you still keep that, that soul of of the company and that soul of of what you're producing because i think they do have a little bit more soul than mass produced things and I, I think there is that that just that vibe to them for lack of a better um it's not too woo but it's it's like i don't know it's i don't know how to say how to say that but it's um it's just a little bit more to it you know and yeah, uh, no I, I dig that i think 
I, I think the word soul is a great terminology for that because that's what it has. And it, and it far, it reaches far beyond that. Like, it, yeah, the, yeah, the lure itself, but then like you interacting with that lure and the fish and the environment and the whole, the yeah. whole ecosystem around you as you're casting that lure and experiencing that fish, like there's a lot of soul in that. Like, I don't, I mean, yeah, yeah sure. It might be like a little existential and you're like, Oh, woo. Like, right. It, but I think that's what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's all the, it's all the, the pieces that come together to make that experience, that experience. And I, I think there's just more, more there with something that's, that's made like this. And then like the custom rod builder too, like that, like you put all those things together and it's more of an experience than something that you bought off the shelf or, you know, it's just, it's, you have more vested in it and it's, it's, you know, more about like the producer, like I want to go out and meet people and hand these things out and just let me know what you think. Like, kind of like that kind of stuff is like super cool to me to build the relationships and build it up and kind of do for this little company, kind of what I did for, for successful companies and, and companies that are further along and really like, shore them up and invest back into them and and like as long as as long as there's food on the table i'm going to keep pushing this thing as as hard as i can and and it's that's the goal is to kind of make it you know a, a regional thing and and maybe beyond that and um and still keep that that small producer kind of like if if 10 years from now we talk again man and it's like we're in a warehouse and there's three people and i have a paint guy and that's like, that's awesome. But the process is still the same. There might not be the same set of hands, but it's still hands. It's still, it's, it's still very analog kind of like, it's, it's like custom woodworking. Like we have a lot of friends who are really super talented building super cool stuff. And, and a lot of them do like the, like epoxy work too. And, and seeing how that comes together and, and, um, and you just see all these hand built things and you're like, wow, like, people really, really dig that stuff. Like it's, it, there's so much more to that than like, Oh, I got this Ikea table. Like you like it, you know, it's like, no, I got this red enamel, super modern, crazy thing. And they're like, who built that? And it's like, Oh, Bob down the street. You know, it's like, that's a really cool, cool thing. And it's, it's a little bit of wizardry and, and behind the curtain stuff. But, uh, I don't know. I think it's just, I think it's, like I said before, I think it's just a cool thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're onto something. I think you're hundred percent right. I, I mean that, that traditional type, you know, analog style of, of building something, there's something to be said with that, you know, working with your hands and, and crafting something from, from nothing. Right. And using yeah. a material that's been used for forever, you know, and mm -hmm. it's no, so I, 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 I really like what you're doing and, um, I'm just excited to have that conversation, however long in the future when you do have a warehouse and with three guys, you know, one paying for you, one busting them out. But, um, but yeah, so where can, where can people learn more about Fight Lurco and how can they get, you know, get involved and eventually buy a Lurk because they're coming out soon, right? Yeah, yeah. My, my, the date I threw out was April 1st, but I'm still, I'm halfway through the process of cutting the first run and, and getting them going. But I had some, I was texting, testing different epoxies and I really wanted it to be right. So that's going to take a couple of days. And, and, and so I'm probably like the second week in April, I'll start shipping them, but I'm going to do uh, I'll have a pre-order up on April 1st for everybody. Um, but yeah, it's uh fight lore co on Instagram and it's fight, fight lures.com is the website. And, and there's a little bit of like what we talked about, like the story, I just wrote the about page and I have some uh, hats and shirts too, and, and stuff like that, but I'll do, um, I'll be doing giveaways for the launch or, or like, you know, different, different stuff. So everybody can just, uh, get online and check it out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks Dave for being on the show. And, uh, yeah, I'm stoked to be able to, you know, cast a line with you one of these days and, and, uh, make, make it down to long Island, but you know, again, be able to see where fight layer is going and, and finally see the launch coming soon. So Very thanks cool. for coming on. Thanks a million, Zach. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Along the Keel. It was great being able to have Dave on the show and learn all about Fight Lurco, how we got started, and where it's going. If there was something I'm going to take away from this episode, it would be to just go ahead and get started, right? If you're thinking about doing something and it's been on the back of your head and you have an itch to do it, 
just go do it. You know, it's 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 going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. But once you get started and get some momentum, I promise you that it will probably continue down the path. So with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the show. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on Apple and iTunes. Also, if you wouldn't mind going over to alongthekeel.com, subscribe to our newsletter. We're going to be having some great things coming out with the Chasing Tides Collective. And uh, yeah, just excited to be able to share more of all these incredible people and businesses that are out there building something by the water, building something outside, and earning their summer, so to speak. Before I go, make sure to go show Dave some love. Tell him that Along the Keel sent you and give him a like, give him a follow, and even grab yourself a lawyer if you want. They're pretty cool. I like them. They're old school look with a new school vibe. So make sure to work hard, do good, be incredible, and have an awesome day. Mm-hmm.